Uh, welcome back to the Tickle Twine Podcast. I'm your host, Brooks. Um, sorry for the long break. Uh, like I had mentioned before the break started, uh, life's been crazy. I've had um, wedding, honeymoon. I, I also moved recently. Um, and that's why we've seen a uh, two, re- two weeks and no Tickle the Twine. But I'm back for this um, this week. We, we got some good news um, with the trade deadline uh, on Thursday. Stuff is starting to pop off. We've had a pretty exciting couple trades the last couple days uh trade talks are heating up um and so it's just kind of getting hot in the nba we've had all-star rosters announced a lot of back and forth some free agency uh drama already starting to play out even though it's still february and free agency doesn't start till july but you know it's the nba this is a uh it's become a 12 12 month a year league and you got to be tuned in at all times and um, sometimes it even seems that uh, the play on the court kind of gets overshadowed by the off the court ins and outs, and that's definitely what we're what we're seeing here. So, just gonna kind of jump right into it today on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, the big news, obviously, from this past week is the Knicks dealing Porzingis. Uh, getting into the background before we kind of go through the deal, it is interest. It's been super interesting, um, kind of how this has played out, and that you know. A little bit before the trade happened, it leaked out that they, you know, Porzingis had had a meeting with the front office. He said he was wasn't happy with the direction of the team. If the losing was going to have some long term consequences, kind of stuff like that. And then all of a sudden he gets dealt. And then we've got the the Knicks president coming out and saying, "Oh, he never wanted to be here, and he was he didn't want to be on this team. He wasn't he didn't want to support New York. All this kind of stuff kind of popped off. And then." Um, and we have this blockbuster deal happen too. I think it's kind of interesting um, to see it all come out like this. I think this is probably, there's probably some truth to it. Obviously, I'm sure Porzingis was getting um, disgruntled and just having like a tough time. You know, he's. it looks like from videos and stuff that his rehab seems to be going well from his ACL injury, but he's not coming back yet. The Knicks are obviously in a tanking mode, especially with a prospect as good as Zion Williamson out there. You don't want to put your, they want to have the best chance possible to, um, have the opportunities to select Zion or someone else near the top of the draft, and so kind of all that seems to be working at it. And the Knicks leadership need one has seemed uh, to want to get out in front of this trade and make it seem like uh, Porzingis requested this trade. Porzingis was being difficult, and that this isn't giving away the best player they've had in, since I don't know Patrick Ewing. Um, and instead, it's oh he was going to be a problem. He's, he wasn't that good anyway. We had to move on from him and open the door for, for a brighter future. And so that's, you can kind of see the full court press um, being done by the Knicks in order to kind of shape the narrative in the way they want it. They've got Woj um, putting out their stuff. Mostly we have heard very little from KP, uh, except for he did post some cryptic Instagram stuff about staying woke, about what was going on. It is interesting that I'm sure he has a side of the story and there's, there's a way that it went down. And I wonder if we will hear it. But nonetheless, um, he he's been dealt. Um, he's now on, he's now on the Mavericks. The Knicks have have gotten a pretty good haul for him, um, given the situation. Kind of depending on how you look at it. But uh, without uh, further ado about the background and stuff, we'll talk about that more at the end. Uh, just jump right into the details of the deal. So. <clears throat> The structure of the deal between the Mavs and the Knicks, we've got uh, the Mavericks getting Porzingis, and they also took on the, the Tim Hardaway Jr. contract and the Courtney Lee contract, while the, the Knicks received Dennis Smith Jr., DeAndre Jordan, Wesley Matthews, and 
two first round picks uh, slated to convey in 2021 and 2023. And I say say it like that because I'll kind of explain the pick protections in a little bit when we get to the part about talking about the trade from the Knicks point of view. But I'm going to start with the Mavs point of view because obviously um, when I saw this news happen, I immediately was like, uh, I was actually in the middle of uh, moving on Thursday and was like, oh no, like what is happening? And my phone is blowing up. I'm trying to move all these boxes. And I got to look at it, and I'm like, the Knicks just traded Porzingis? What is going on? And, like, I, you know, you kind of have to get the details of the trade and, and figure out what it all out means. And my initial reaction um, was, what? Like, um, why did they do this? This this probably doesn't seem like a good move. What is happening? You don't just up and trade your best player um, unless there's a severe threat of him leaving or, or, or something along those lines. Or this, is, this is a rare thing. You know, we've seen a lot of the top players like Paul George will not be traded recently, but that's that's because of extenuating circumstances where they've kind of made it clear that they're not going to return to the team or they're going to leave. Uh, similar with the Anthony Davis situation we'll talk about later in the podcast where they've made it clear that they're not going to resign with the team once their contract is up. And so the team wants to get something out of them while they can. Um, unless there is, like we said at the beginning with these meetings that Porzingis had, unless he was saying something different in those meetings it, it seems it seems that that wasn't exactly going to be the case um here but maybe it was so the Knicks went ahead and dealt Porzingis and so I love based on my initial reaction and still now after analyzing it a little bit I, I love I really like this deal for the Mavericks obviously there's going to be some risk risk to it and I'll talk more about that but you know at the at the bare minimum of the deal you're going to get Porzingis who before his injury last year made the all-star team was playing great um and is a budding star in this league and he should fit well next to Doncic, who has been incredible for the Mavericks already this year. Um, and these two together puts that in a position where, you know, even in this era where a lot of teams, I mean, specifically the Warriors, are just kind of stacked with talent. One thing that has become abundantly clear is you need um, two, at least two stars to compete um, not only for a championship, but also a lot for the playoffs, especially in the West. you got to have multiple stars on your team to kind of put together um, a, a run deep into the deep into the playoffs and that's what that's what the Mavs have done here with their base they got they've gotten those two stars um, you've gotten Porzingis and you've gotten Doncic now they did have to take on the Tim Hardaway and Courtney Lee contracts um, which are heavy hits to the salary cap and are going to kind of limit the Mavericks flexibility in free agency this summer and possibly going forward I mean Hardaway's got another year next year, around $18 million, and then the year after that, he, he's got a player option for about $19 million. And given the amount of that, it's it's hard to see him turning that down, whereas Courtney Lee has this year, and then he also has next year um, at 12.7. So Courtney Lee and Hardaway will at least be on, this, on the Mavs books for one more year each. I'm sure Hardaway will probably be on for another year after that at the minimum as well. But we'll see what happens after that. Um, I think the, these guys do uh, make significant hap, cap hits, but Tim Hardaway has played pretty well this season, And but his numbers have kind of been, his efficiency numbers and how well he's shooting have kind of been depressed by the fact that he's being a number, he's playing the number one option in a situation where he shouldn't. When he, I see when he comes over to the Mavs, not only for the rest of this season, but probably for next season as well, he's no longer going to be a number one option, and that, that should help his efficiency numbers and kind of slide him into a better situation where the best team on the other, best defender on the other team is not guarding him as often he's going to get more open looks and hopefully we'll see his numbers improve and he actually ends up being a valuable piece um for the Mavs he can fit right in as a, as a wing guy who can hit shots and and occasionally defend his position um and fit in with what the Mavericks are looking to do um 
Obviously, th there is risk, um, and there could be significant risk the way you look at Porzingis' injury. He is coming back from an ACL injury that he tore last February. It's almost been a year now, and while it looks like he, he's not back yet, there could be extenuating circumstances with the Knicks as to whether he comes back. The Mavericks may bring him back. Um, there's news that says they might not um, bring him back and just kind of be like, look, we're good this season. Um, you go ahead and get 100% healthy and be ready to go in October. And, you know, that's a perfectly reasonable um, way to play the situation. Porzingis does, however, have a history of, of injuries, which is kind of nicks and knacks um, throughout his short career already. And um, he also has this kind of, we've seen this a couple years now where he starts off really hot usually and then can kind of fade down the stretch um, as he gets tired or just kind of gets worn down through the season. And that's another risk you have. But I think um, overall, you know, he's going to get mentored by Dirk for at least the rest of this year, maybe further. You know, if I'm the Mavs, the Mavs are probably going to try and keep Dirk on as a coach in some capacity to continue to mentor both Dachik and Porzingis now and, and just kind of see how that grows. I think these two as a pairing is a bright future for the Mavericks. You can build guys around them. Obviously, they're limited cap-wise cap to do that building, but you already have pieces, whether it be Harrison Barnes, Tim Hardaway, that you can move and shift and put around these two guys um, to kind of help them um, and give them options and weapons around them to continue to play and be, and be a solid team. And obviously, when these contracts come up, you know, Porzingis and uh, Doncic will be getting right into their primed, and that's when you want to really be loaded up with all the talent to kind of make your run. And so I think the timeline is kind of going to work out well. I mean, yes, they did sacrifice cap flexibility, but the reason why I don't think that's as big of a deal for the Mavericks is because you want the cap flexibility to, to get a star player, and they sacrifice their cap flexibility to get that star player, get that person that they want that they can pair next to their current other star and, and, and make a run from there. You know, it would be different if they had sacrificed cap space to not get a star player or to just kind of get other smaller pieces, but they got they got the star player that they want to pair with Dashik. And so it's successful in that manner, just as, as they have it, they've had a harder time in free agency the last couple of years. And so to use your cap space in trades to get the player you want works just as well and is just as effective. Now for the Knicks, um, the I still I I love the, some of the bones of this deal for the Knicks is, is good and solid and we'll go we'll go into that in depth but it's still a risk for them in that the you're banking the two biggest pieces of this trade I think for the Knicks are the fact that they cleared enough cap space at time to sign two max players this summer and they also got two first round picks coming to them um, because of this deal both of those things are really 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 valuable but they're only valuable if you can make them work and turn them into something that's going to be what you want, you know, turn them into a great free agent, turn them into great draft picks. Right now, they're right now at this current moment, these things, the cap space and the first round picks are at the highest value that they can possibly have until you slot a player into them. And so at this point, not only is it the, the riskiest, but it also looks like the highest reward because if they execute on all four, all this cap space, let's just consider the two max slots, each their own asset, and then the two first round picks, each their own asset. If they, if they hit it out of the park on all four assets, then this trade is a huge, huge win for them. But that is contingent on the fact that they hit it out of the park on all every single asset. If you miss a couple of the assets or you don't hit it out of the park, you're just hitting doubles or singles, then we're gonna get we're gonna get into the situation where the trade doesn't look as well, and then you you see a situation where you maybe ended up trading a dollar for a couple dimes or something like that. But the cap space is gonna be the crucial piece. There have been rumors basically all season um, about Kevin Durant leaving the Warriors and the Knicks 
Um, going to the Knicks has been something that's been promoted pretty often. A lot of guys promote it pretty consistently. Uh, Bill Simmons has been big on saying KD to the Knicks, KD to the Knicks, KD to the Knicks. The other guy is Kyrie Irving. There's been rumors that he might want to go to New York. Um, this is another thing since that Simmons has been hammering as well, just because he's a Boston fan and it's something that clearly worries him, is that Kyrie could leave to New York. And he even said in a podcast a couple weeks ago that if the Knicks made a big deal at the deadline to clear a bunch of cap space, he would see that as an indication that maybe there's more in the water that this is actually going to happen than the, the public currently knows. And I think this could be a sign that that is, that is true. And so, yeah, if the Knicks are able to trade the cap space that they just carved out, turn the cap space they just carved out into Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, this trade becomes a win. Because then, if we're looking at this trade in at the end of July, you know, at, at July 4th, instead of right now, then it looks like the Knicks traded Porzingis for the cap space necessary to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And if you want to make the argument that they traded Porzingis for two superstars, then you kind of can. But again, they have to make that work out. They haven't had a ton of uh, free agency success recently, um, and they, they've struggled in that venture. That's why they haven't been great for a while. And so we don't know necessarily that that's definitely going to work out yet. We just know it's completely possible that it could work out. Um, and obviously, it would kind of be super exciting to see two guys like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving playing together in the Knicks and just kind of the electricity of the garden if that happens. But again, they've got to make it happen first before we just kind of write this as just a, a dominant win based on only the potential of what could happen rather than what did actually happen. I do kind of like um, Dennis Smith Jr. coming over as the young asset in the deal. You know, he was ha- he was obviously struggling to fit next to Doncic, but he does do a lot. He, there's a lot of stuff that Smith, Dennis Smith does re- well and could do well. Um, it just puts the Knicks in an interesting position because now they have they've got um, quite a lot of young point guards that all kind of need the ball and need to develop and need to get more comfortable. And you don't uh, you obviously don't have the bitch for all of them unless you play next to each other. I would love to see what a Dennis Smith Jr. Frankie Nilakina backcourt looks like, you know, especially if the Knicks probably are now in a position where they're not going to win a lot of the games for the rest of the season. So if I'm if I'm the Knicks, I'm playing as many young guys as I can, you know. Throw out Nilakina, throw out throw out DSJ, throw out Kevin Knox, play them at the same time, see what happens, let them grow, let them learn, um, let them make mistakes, let them figure things out. And just kind of go from there. Um, even play someone like Mitchell Robinson. Um, you know, just get guys minutes, see what you have out of your young assets. Obviously, DeAndre Jordan and Wesley Matthews do do things good, but they're they're in this trade as cap filler and as expirings. They're going to come off the books. Um, the Knicks more than more than likely will renounce them as soon as free agency starts, so that they have as much cap space as possible. Um, to go from there, and they could play out the season. The Knicks might be able to to repackage them and move them again before the deadline. That kind of depends on a couple different things. Maybe they do that to try and get more out of this trade, but I think they'll probably stand pat, keep them, maybe buy, buy one or two or both of them out before the season is over. But for this trade, um, their, their nature is expiring deals is what's of real value to the Knicks. And then the, obviously the last two things to go through for the Knicks are the two first-round picks. And so I mentioned um, when they're slotted to convey right now, which is 2021 and 2023, and I say slotted because it's not set in stone because of the Sepian rule and the fact that you can't trade picks in back first-round picks, uh, clarification, in back-to-back seasons. It all is based on uh, when Dallas's other first-round pick that's going out uh, to Atlanta as a result of the deal to get to move up and get Doncic last year in last year's draft happens that pick that they sent to Atlanta is supposed to convey this year in 2019 but it's top one through five protected this year and next year um, and and so um, because of the Sepian rule 
the first pick for Dallas is slated is unprotected and slated to go to the Knicks in 2021. But this can only happen if Dallas's pick to Atlanta goes out this year. If Dallas's pick to Atlanta gets delayed a year, then the pick to the Knicks gets delayed a year, and so that and then the second pick also gets delayed because so so the way the best way to think about it is the the pick the first pick to the Knicks cannot cannot convey until two years after the first pick to Atlanta conveys, and the second pick to the Knicks can't convey until four years after. The, the the pick to Atlanta goes. Um, the second pick is uh, protected. Uh, um, it's uh, slated for 2023 and is protected one through ten for 2023, 2024, 2025. If it does not convey uh, by by 2025, then it just turns into a 2025 second rounder. So there's some risk to that deal as well. If you know, right now Dallas is still fighting and playing for the playoffs, but if something happens with Dallas, um, they don't make the playoffs. And somehow they do good enough in the lottery to jump into the top five this year. Then that Atlanta pick doesn't um, convey because it's protected one through five and gets pushed to twenty twenty. And then and then your timeline gets really really close because you know you start you 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 can only have so much happen where this twenty twenty three pick won't won't convey and will change to a second rounder. And so that's something to think about. But either way, um, both of these picks will likely. Uh, I think if if I were to bet on it, I think these picks would convey in 2021 and 2023 to the Knicks as they're uh, projected to convey, um, and they'll probably be, um, I think the 2021 pick, you could probably bank on being um, late lottery or just outside of the lottery, depending on how good the Mavs get and how fast. The 2023 pick, I, I though, could be a late 20s pick if things go go well for the Mavs. Now, things blow up for the Mavs. There are some rumors that Porzingis might sign the small qualifying offer rather than taking an extension. Then that turns into its whole other thing. But um, either way, these picks are going to get to the Knicks at some point, but they do need to hit the picks out of the park, do a good job on the picks, so that they're worthwhile and not just uh, trading your best player for um, the possibility of success. Um, like I said, initially, I was kind of baffled by this trade. I wasn't sure what to make of it. I was I was kind of worried, like, what are the Knicks doing? What is going on? But then upon looking at it more in detail, you see that there was a little bit of a plan behind it. They obviously had some something figured out, something thought of, and they, um, they've got a roadmap for the future and how to improve um, assuming that they are able to make big moves in free agency and hit hit it in the draft. Um, moving on, there was one other deal uh, that happened right before I started recording. <clears throat> that was Rodney Hood uh, got traded to the Blazers um, in exchange for Nick Stauskas, Wade Baldwin, and 2021 and 2023 second-round picks. Um, for this, it looks like the Blazers are just making a move for a, a wing that has the ability to score um, that could help them in the playoffs. That's what this move looks like for them. Um, for the Cavs, this is the Cavs continually making assets into extra extra picks. They've traded Hood, they've traded Corver, they've traded other guys, and just continue to stockpile picks, which is what you want to do in a situation of a rebuild. Even if most of the picks they've stockpiled are second rounders, that's all right. They can package the second rounders to maybe move back into the first round and snag their guy, or they can make the correct picks in the second round and still find some gems. Uh, guys like Jeremiah Green were second round picks too, so um, it's worth noting that just stockpiling these assets uh, assets like they are is, is, is pretty solid. I like this trade for the Cavs just because, look, you can take a flyer on Nick Stouts because you can take a flyer on Wade Baldwin, and then you also have two more picks to put around. Um, it does. Like, I understand if Rodney Hood makes a difference for the Blazers in the playoffs, but otherwise is kind of a steep price for a guy who's been pretty inconsistent um, throughout his career and has been bounced around the last couple seasons and traded pretty often. Um, 
the last big thing I wanted to talk about on this episode was obviously the AD trade sweepstakes is kind of heating up. Um, Anthony Davis and uh, his agent Rich Paul, who's also LeBron's agent or part of LeBron's agency firm. I'm not. I, I don't understand completely how that all works, but formally requested a trade. Anthony Davis was um, fined twenty or fifty thousand dollars for it, and so now it seems the race is on to find the package that New Orleans will agree to and deal him. Um, Anthony Davis has, had, has made it clear that he's not going to re-sign with New Orleans and that he wants out. And that if New Orleans wants to get something for him, they, they're, they're, it's in their best interest to deal him sooner rather than later. The Lakers are certainly the front runners because it seems that Anthony Davis wants to go to the Lakers. They, they, it's their preferred destination. The Celtics are also known as a team interested um, but they cannot trade for Anthony Davis until July 1 because both Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis are currently on designated rookie extensions, and you can't have two of those players on the same team because of uh, the Rose rule and a couple other rules in place. Um, it is important to note that when it comes to the Celtics, um, uh, Anthony Davis's dad has expressed that he doesn't really want to, Anthony to go to the Celtics because of how the Celtics treated Isaiah Thomas and de- dealing him and all the injury stuff. So um, that's worth noting. And just understanding, but it currently looks like uh, the Lakers are trying to kind of engage the Pelicans in talks. They're, the Pelicans haven't been responsive so far, although news came out today that it looks like the Pelicans are going to be more responsive and willing to kind of get, dig, dig down and kind of get into a negotiating mode with the Lakers over this next week um, leading up to the deadline. Part of why the Pelicans probably haven't engaged yet is the fact that it looks like the Lakers lowballed the Pelicans to start. Um, the initial offer was reported as being Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Rajon Rondo, and Mike, Michael and Michael Beasley, Michael Beasley, and a first rounder. Um, and g- given what we just saw KP dealt for, that kind of looks like a low, um, definitely a low ball for Anthony Davis. I'm thinking um, if I'm the Pelicans, I don't want Michael Beasley and Rondo, even though they're expiring as much as I want maybe another young asset, whether it be Brandon Ingram or Josh Hart. And then I probably need at least one more first-round draft pick um, to get me going. I don't think it makes sense to kind of only settle for maybe two um, assets and a pick because, like I talked about with DeAndre Jordan and Wes Matthews in the Porzingis trade, Yes, there are players. Yes, they can contribute to a team, but in the way the trades are, the way the trades are nowadays, and how you're negotiating, their mo- main value comes to the fact that they're an expiring deal. And so, if you're the Pelicans, and you know you're probably going to make moves in free agency, but you're not going to make as significant moves in free agency as the Knicks are, uh, expiring con- contracts aren't going to be as valuable to you as young assets, draft picks. The, the, those kind of things. So I definitely understand the idea that the the Lakers were lowballing with these initial offers, and that the Pelicans are going to want a little bit more if they can, if they can uh, if they actually going to pull the trigger and deal a player as great as Anthony Davis. You got to make sure you get as much as possible for Davis, and that you aren't, um, like I said earlier, selling a dollar for a couple dimes or some nickels or whatever it may be. So I think that it's. Um, I think that we'll probably we might see a deal happen. Obviously, if the Pelicans waited um, and dealt him in the summer, you would have more suitors. Um, obviously, the Celtics would be get would get into it and try to drive up the bidding. But there's going to be other teams bidding as well. So it's kind of all. It's I think it all depends on how much damage um, having their best player just kind of be clearly not wanting to be there is going to do to them for the rest of the season and kind of that. 
factor. And if they think they can get what they want from the Lakers now, then they, they might be able to. Uh, you could obviously, if you're the Pelicans, negotiate in a way that's it's like, oh, if we don't get what we want now, then we're probably going to just cut off talks with you and we'll deal them somewhere else or something like that. And just kind of and see if they can in- inject urgency into the Lakers situation or if the Lakers are going to be willing to be like, oh, no, well, um, we're willing to bide our time. I mean, that, that's definitely possible, but the Lakers are also in a position where, you know, LeBron isn't getting any younger and Anthony Davis probably wants to play with LeBron and when you have LeBron and AD and you just add one other guy then you're probably going to be in a good position to compete against the Warriors and win, win a title and, and that's going to be urgent for the Lakers is, is fitting Anthony into a win into LeBron's window um, because you know LeBron has looked ageless for a while but is injured lately he came back from his groin strain recently but then had to sit out again last night sit out his the second what would have been a second game back last night so you know you never know how much uh, longer he has before LeBron starts to downslope and then your title window might not be as high because as we've seen with the Pelicans, 80 has not been enough to elevate them as a team to, you know, uh, a ton of playoff success other than making the second round last year after sweeping out the Blazers. Um, I, you do see um, that this uh, the trade market activity and all these trade rumors and all this stuff is having an effect on the team as the Lakers... Uh, veterans, including Michael Beasley, got into a significant verbal confrontation with Luke Walton last night after their game, and so that's interesting. Um, we've obviously got the drama, this the drama with the Pelicans and just free agency in general is obviously creeping into the Celtics, as Kyrie has has not ruled out the fact that he might leave in free agency, and that's going to do do its own things, um, uh, drama wise. So this is the this is the trade deadline. This is heating up. Um, par- obviously, I. Everyone loves basketball and just watching all the games, but this part of the NBA is what makes it such a fascinating league. It's just kind of the drama and the back and forth and all the craziness that consistently is happening and happens all the time. It just kind of um, stirs things up and makes it so much more interesting to just kind of interact with and, and watch and be a part of. And why having tw- tweet alerts for Woj and all that stuff um, can just add so much um, because of this back and forth, because of all these moving pieces and all this intrigue and everything that's going to happen so yeah keep looking out for that um before i sign off i think i think one cool thing to mention with the release of the all-star rosters there was a couple snubs um but i thought it was cool um that they're bringing dirk and wade uh as as special additions as this is definitely wade's last season dirk has not made an announcement whether this is his last season or not but given his struggles with injury that's definitely a plausibility and uh, just kind of giving these guys like guest spots um, on the All Star teams because of ha- what both have done for the league. Dirk internationally, um, Wade with his with his, you know, um, Dirk won a title. Wade won his first title against Dirk, and then Dirk got revenge when Wade in Wade's first season with LeBron and Bosh in, in Miami. They've they've had a connected careers in that way. They've both been very impactful on the game, and so it's it's cool to see the uh, NBA honoring them in this way. There you guys have it. Uh, Tickle the Twine is back. I hope to get back to um, recording and putting up episodes regularly uh, now that my schedule has cooled off a little bit. Uh, with the trade deadline Thursday, I'll try to do a trade deadline wrap-up on Thursday night or um, maybe maybe early, early Friday morning. We'll see. Uh, that also depends on my schedule. If I can't get anything um, those days, I should have one by uh, Sunday night at the latest, but hope you guys uh, enjoyed this podcast enjoy the drama get ready to uh, buckle up for what uh, hopefully is a, a wild trade deadline i always like more trades than less and uh, if you're watching the super bowl enjoy it tonight um and i don't have a dog in the fight other than um i'm a 
Dolphins fan. I hate the Patriots, so I'm going to be rooting for the Rams all the way. Um, so have a good uh, Super Bowl Sunday, and I'll talk to you guys next week.